We're going on an EV road trip adventure today as I talk with Richard Laxton, who is traveling around Australia in his Tesla Model 3. Along with big driving trips, Richard's interests include renewable energy, space, and being Car Loop's chief evangelist. Hello, Richard. How are you? Good, good to speak to you. Yeah, I guess first up, I'll ask you, where are you? I'm currently in Penong Caravan Park in South Australia, which is on the eastern end of the Nullarbor Plain. Um, this morning, I have crossed the Nullarbor from a place called Border Village, which is on the border between Western Australia and South Australia. So I woke up in a different time zone and then immediately jumped into a time zone that was an hour and 45 minutes different so it's uh it's been a it's been a crazy day yeah even i'm finding it confusing because you were five hours different to here and then you then you weren't five minutes later kind of thing <laughs> it's a it's a very strange it's a, it's it's an odd time zone that's supposed to split the difference between south australia and western australia but when there's when there's uh savings in south australia Instead of being 45 minutes, it's an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's all very weird. Yeah, yeah. I guess, um, <laughs> sorry? Traffic jam on the Nullarbor. There were three three Teslas charging today or trying to charge from one three-phase socket. So oh. let's, we can talk about the, the, the problems of the lack of infrastructure later on. But yeah, so, yeah. So how, <laughs> how long have you been traveling for? So we weren't taking, taking it easy. I think we're probably day 55. Because we would, we're actually properly, you know, taking our time to stop at certain places. You know, we stopped at, um, you know, Cairns and Exmouth, and just spending a few days here and there to to relax. Um, but we're sixteen thousand five hundred, no, sixteen thousand six hundred and thirty kilometres at the moment into the trip. And where did you start from? Melbourne. Melbourne, and you're going that counterclockwise. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we're only about. Uh, 1,500 kilometres to home, something like that, or 1,600 maybe. Mm. I guess close. I guess next question would be why, why? Why the big drive? Well, I kind of always wanted to do – I mean, it, it's a classic thing, right? You do a lap of the country, um, and, you know, I've done bits of it in the past, but, you know, never really had a chance. And I just figured that, you know, now is the time, you know, at the moment, it's at a very transitional time, particularly for electric vehicles here. Infrastructure is finally starting to come in on this trip, uh, particularly in Western Australia. They've um, been building out their Western Australian EV network, and it's gone from having no DC chargers whatsoever between Darwin and Perth to having like like half a dozen, like one every, I don't know, 500 k's or so, and probably by the end of next year, there'll be a charger every roughly 150 kilometres around the entire coast of Western Australia, which is a long coast, right? That's, yeah. Um, you've, that's, chosen a, you've chosen a big country to go around for your, for your tour. True. It does have a lot of coastline. That yeah. is true. And, of course, some of, the, some of the cities, like Darwin, is not actually on the main route around. It's It's... it's off to one side, so you have to go to Darwin. Um, yeah. Uh, but even there, Darwin has got three um, EV, like high-speed high, high speed EV chargers now, and it didn't have any last year. 
So things are finally starting to move very it's quickly. Take, it's taken a while, though, hasn't it, in Australia? Just oh, genuinely. definitely. Look, we had we lost 10 years with a government that was just anti any progress at all in any way, shape or form. So we lost 10 years in progress for renewable energy. We lost 10 years for progress in uh, electric vehicle infrastructure and various other things. The state governments did what they could, but without sort of proper federal support, it does make it very difficult. I mean, you guys have got it easy in some respects in New Zealand and you don't have that three levels. You've got only two levels of government, as I understand. Just with the Tesla, with your Tesla Model 3, did you... So did you already have that and you just sort of went, I'm just going to go with this car or was it a specific reason you've got the Tesla? Yeah, so I, I got this car, this car in December of 2019. Um, and, yeah, in the first four weeks of ownership, I'd done 9,000 kilometres on it. And then, you know, COVID kind of slammed down on top of us. And I did very little for quite some time, you know, because Melbourne, when we locked down, had two really long lockdowns and things like that. Um and then last year, I ended up going up to, to Uluru, to Ayers Rock in the middle of the country, which is like an 8,000 8, K round trip. And the car went pretty well for that. That was my first real experience of outback, outback touring. I'd, I'd bought all the gear in preparation for doing this sort of stuff. Like, you know, even before I got the car, as you do, you get excited, you know, when you get in your EV. Um, but yeah, so I had, had this car already. Um, I did actually look at potentially getting something, you know, from one of the manufacturers to sort of sponsor the trip if they wanted it to be the first of their their car, but unfortunately it didn't work out. Started started a bit too late. So and I love this car. It's 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 a it's a great road tripping car. How do you prepare Except for out else. how do you prepare for outback travel then? What's what do you have to Well the main thing is there's two two main things. First carry a spare because spare tires and I'll 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 tell you a story about that a little bit later. But um yeah there's always a chance you're gonna lose a tire out here. Um, the roads aren't always perfect. And when you're running 20-inch rims um, with 35-profile tyres like this, this is a Model 3 Performance, so it's not got the most rough road-friendly tyres and wheels in the entire universe. Um, there's always a chance you're going to crack a rim as well as, as lo- losing a tyre, so you have to have a, have a full set. Um, and the only other thing is uh, getting the right charging gear. So I've got a... Um, like a portable EVSE that has a 32 amp three phase, a 20 amp three phase, and 10 and 15 amp single phase tails, so I can basically charge from pretty much anything that I might might encounter on this trip. Um, and I have used all all four of those tails on this on this trip. Um, on the 20 amps, the rarest, but the 32 amp three phase is the most common one that we have around here for for charging, and that can charge a car in about four and a half hours or five hours. So it's um it's it's pretty good. Have you have you run out of power in uh, power yet or has always been a somewhere to I've never I've never run out of energy um in a in, in my AV at all. Um but you get close I mean you just have to manage it. So you know there are there are hypermining techniques that you can use to to get distances. I mean this as I said this is a the model three performance which means it's not the best car for this sort of trip. The tyres are too sticky. The wheels are more about getting air out of it and cooling brakes than being super aerodynamic. So, you know, I struggle. I don't like to go more than 400 kilometres, let's say, uh, on, on, on a charge from 100%. So 
that means I need to watch out for things like headwinds, for example. They can kill you. Um, and but the main thing is like if if, if you're not going to make it, you slow down. You know, at 140 k's an hour, the um, the car will drain itself empty in in 200 k's. But at 80 k's an hour, you know, I can make 400 k's at a at a stretch. So it's a, it's a big difference. Um, and the other thing is, you know, now that I now that I've got a, a crack in my windscreen and I don't care about it anymore, um, the slipstreaming, of course, is uh, you know drafting behind caravans or just right now here. We were drafting behind a um, uh, a road train, like a three 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 um, three car road train that was, you know, doing just under 100 k's an hour. So that was perfect, and our our kind of estimated uh, energy remaining when we got here went from sort of zero to 12 percent. So it makes a huge difference. You can save like 20 percent by slowing down and and and, and hypermiling, you know, behind a behind a big truck. Just be aware that you know if they if they dodge, you've got to dodge. <laughs> you can't see where the hell's coming up in front of you. Being a Tesla owner, have you learned any sort of thing new about the Tesla for this sort of travel? Or what? Something was confirmed that I that I had suspected for a while, actually, and that's that the wheel alignment, the toe in particular, is not stable on these cars. When you get a bit of a bump, bit of bumpy action, so coming out of Broome, the road, which is in the northwest and northwest of, of WA, the road is pretty heavily cut up from a cyclone they had last year, and you now they're doing their best to fix it, but you know there's hundreds of kilometres of road that's seriously, seriously smashed up, and you know you can't dodge all of the potholes. And so I must have hit something, and it, it misaligned the, the rear tire. I didn't realise. I did notice that my energy consumption went up slightly. Like that could be wind, it could be terrain, it could be lots of different things. And then I was on the northwest Cape, which is um, near a place called Exmouth, Exmouth which is a, it's like a kind of it's, just a, it's a military base. Let's be honest. It started out as a military base. Um, one of the things that put Australia on the, on the, on the, on the target list for the Cold War many, many years ago, back when I was a kid. I'd never been there before, but I remember the protests about it when I was a kid. Uh, anyway, but I, I was, I was heading out of, out of the, the, the backside of, of Northwest Cape and, uh, one of my tires went flat. I was like, what the hell? So I popped out, you know, changed the tire, uh, which by the way, in a model three performance is quite difficult. I had to make a custom made jack because the car is very low, and so I had to make a custom jack that would actually be able to work um, use the car. But, you know, the tire change, I noticed that the entire inside rim was completely shredded, down to the wires, um, and then I looked at the other side, and it was also completely shredded. So I was like, oh, this is not going to last long. This is not going to get me where I need to be. I am a, a, a thousand kilometers north of Perth, um, there is no civilization really where you can buy the sort of tires that you get on this car between them. Um, so I drove back to Exmo. Um, and I happened to get in contact with a guy who, who, who reached out to me on Twitter and said, Hey, are you in Exmo still? Do you want to drive a Tesla Model Y for me down to, uh, down to uh, Carnarvon? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> so basically I had, um, 
had this other Tesla, Tesla Model Y, and my partner was driving the, the three, and I was driving the Tesla Model Y down. And we got to a bit, within about 80 kilometers of Carnarvon, and the second tire went flat. So I actually put a tire from the Tesla Model Y, which is significantly bigger, on the back of the um, on the back of this car. And then we drove into Carnarvon, got a wheel alignment done the next day, um, and headed down a little bit further to a place called Billabong, Road, Billabong Homestead. And this is where probably the greatest thing that I learned on this entire trip actually happened. And that is how above and beyond bonkers the WA Tesla community is, EV community in general. A guy by the name of Rob Dean, who, um, you know, he's, 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 a, he's a local, like, Tesla Owners Club of WA guy and an AVA guy. He reached out to me and said, you know, he's given me some advice about where I might be able to find some tires and things like that. But what he eventually did was say, look, I'll, I'll, I'll sort some wheels out for you. And he was going to bring one wheel up, but then he was speaking to this guy named John Edwards, who is the person who created a very interesting charging system, which I'll talk to you about later on. And he borrowed two wheels from him and drove it 650 kilometers north to where I was staying. And we changed the tires over. Then he stayed the night and then he went back. So he drove 1300 kilometer round trip to drop some wheels off to me. I wouldn't be doing that. No. Yeah, I would, but I wouldn't need <laughs> because I, sort of, that's the sort of crazy thing I would do as well, right? But in Victoria, it you know it's much more compact. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. You know, it, it's probably closer to New Zealand in terms of you can't be as far away from stuff. But in WA, like the level of self sufficiency that the people have here is 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 on the far side of insane. But it's brilliant, and you know, he's he's a top bloke. Yeah. Uh, he even invited me the, to the Tesla Owners Club of WA meeting, um, like when I got for when I got back to Perth, and you know, had a nice, nice, nice feed down at the the biggest pub in the Southern Hemisphere. It was uh, it was amazing. But yeah, that's the, that's probably the thing I learned most about Teslas and the community that there are really, really, really amazing top people out there. Did you notice any difference between the Y and your Model Three? Oh, definitely. I mean, the Y was a lot. It was a was a short range uh, rear wheel drive. So actually, because they can be driven, they can be easily charged for one hundred percent because the LFP battery. The range is actually pretty close. My four year old Model Three and this brand new uh, Model Y short range or standard range. Um, so that was kind of cool. But and it's it's a, it's a nice thing to drive. I drove one for ten thousand kilometers in in, um, in 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 the United States when I went there for the Starship launch. In April, so I already knew how they drove. But the biggest thing was a being them. It's a bit floaty. They're a little bit floaty. The hit points slightly higher. They're more affected by wind. Like when you pass a road train, um, you don't have road trains in New Zealand, right? Yeah. Imagine a, a, a truck that's 56 meters long and has like 80 wheels. That's basically what you're looking at. Um, they, they 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 move a lot of air. And so when you pass one in in the Model Y, it it, it, you know, it kicks it kicks a lot more. Um, Model Three is a lot more stable in that respect. But it's um they they drive very similarly. Of course, mm -hmm. not as not as powerful because it didn't have nearly as much uh, motor in it. But yeah, they're a relaxing thing to drive. Hmm. Yeah, just uh, maybe the charging because um, I'm going to mention that 
we'll talk about the charging style. The the oil charging. Um, you mentioned in the, in a note. Yeah, that's right. So John Edwards is the guy who lent me the wheels. He built this thing for uh, remote use, which is completely portable, self-contained charger. That's effectively a, I think it's a 50 or a 60 kVA generator and a tritium V-fill 50 kilowatt charger mounted to a skid. So you can basically just pick pick it up with a forklift and bung it on a truck and move it somewhere else. Oh, and on the, and the other side of the skid is a couple of 44-gallon drums with a kind of filtration mechanism built into them. And effectively the thing, it starts on diesel for probably like the first 30 seconds because it's very hard to start it on waste vegetable oil. But then after that, it runs on pure waste vegetable oil, basically chip fat, just filtered chip fat, not biodiesel, literally filtered chip fat. And, um, you know, out in the middle of body nowhere, I'm getting a 40, 43, 45, 46 kilowatt charge. Um, and so that's the, one of them currently sitting in a place called Kaiguna, which is on the western end of the Nullarbor. So, um, you know, that was, that was brilliant. And apparently, talking to John, it's actually getting very close to paying for itself already, considering the cost of it. Because there's so many people across the Nullarbor now. It's, it's, it's no longer something that's considered to be, like, really, really hard or impossible or difficult. And so, yeah, I saw a guy in a, a Cooper Bourne was crossing the, the Nullarbor. And there's sort of people in MG, MG4s and MGZSs and even people in some little leaf crossed right across it a couple of times too. So mostly Teslas, of course. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Gee, a leaf, that's pretty... Yeah, a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty brave. But I mean, like someone drove a leaf around Australia. Back in the old days, someone drove a leaf around Australia. And it, it, it just means you've got to really take your time and you've got to charge at every caravan park. But the thing about electricity is it is everywhere. Right? And this is one thing, you know, even places that don't have ability to buy fuel, they'll still have electricity, whether it's solar or it's diesel or whatever. So it kind of makes, I like to describe an EV as the ultimate flex fuel vehicle. You know, on this trip, I have charged from, you know, coal and diesel and chip fat and um, natural gas. But I've also charged from solar, wind, and hydroelectric power, um, you know, with with you know most of the most of the power I've been buying has been been fairly green, except for the stuff across the Nullarbor. So, you know, it is it's something you just can't have with a with with, a, with any other like an internal combustion engine vehicle. You don't have that flexibility because you know you've got to have highly processed hydrocarbons of, of the particular grade that you need. And that's it. Right? That's all you can all you can can drive on. Mm. And Australia is sort of increasing their like solar levels, the more sustainable. I guess, yeah, so it's... we've got the highest um, penetration of rooftop solar in the world, which is not surprising considering we're we're a pretty sunny, sunny old yeah. country. Yeah. Um, but the number of larger scale solar installations has been really increasing. So, for example, um, one of the roadhouses that I was at. I was, I was wandering around at, at, at night and I came across this solar array and I was like, like counting it out. I got 500 watt panels. Wow. And I sort of was counting the, 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 the this row of panels. I had 90 panels in. I was like, wow, that's incredible. 45 kilowatts. Then I scrolled sideways a little bit as I was walking along and there were 10 rows of this. So this, this out, this, um, this, this tiny roadhouse in the middle of nowhere called Barclay Homestead 
had a, has a 450 kilowatt ground-mounted solar array with a, a large battery battery building as well built into it. Um, and it also there's a number of places where people are setting. Um, it's, it's, I'm just enrolling in with the towing out towing of the tower. Um, yes, so there are people setting up. Um, remote stuff purely for um, uh, EV charging. So Horizon Power and the NRMA in particular have both created you know, off-grid remote area power systems just to run DC chargers. Because there's a lot of Australia, I don't know about how it is in New Zealand, but there is a lot of Australia that is not on any kind of electricity grid. Um, for example, in South Australia, I am at the limit of the electricity grid right now. In, in this place called Penong, there is, you know, 500 or 600 kilometres of, or something like that, of South Australia left, you know, before you get to, to the border, and none of that has grid. Um, probably at least 50% of, yeah, about 50% probably of my um, uh, trip has been either on small isolated grids or on no grid at all. Um, and it's not likely to change anytime soon. So these solar power systems are becoming more and more critical. But fortunately, you know, batteries are reducing in cost, so these systems get cheaper and cheaper. And what, what else is increasing in cost? Diesel. So um, the cost of, you know, it, it, when, when you, your diesel bill annually is two hundred and fifty or $300,000, um, it becomes easier to create a business case to put a, a solar and battery system in there, because even if it so, only only you know gets rid of ninety percent of that uh, demand, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And all these roadhouses are like that. Every one of the roadhouses in Australia that is on is on a remote area power system is got a, has, will have a, a fuel bill in the order of you know two hundred fifty or three hundred, even five hundred thousand dollars. So the more rural areas are embracing the the change from so petrol to electric, or Certainly is it still a station of power generation? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the number of people putting big, big, big solar systems in. Um, actual transition to electric vehicles, possibly less so, but which is which is reasonable because the distances we are talking about are very, very large. You know, there are a lot of people in Australia who live in places where a round trip to the shops is eight hundred or a thousand kilometres. Um, you know, you don't want that to take two days. But at the same time, the number of, like, you know, DC chargers is rapidly increasing on a lot of the really major routes. So, you know, an electric vehicle becomes more and more practical out in, 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 in the bush. And, of course, you know, the fact is you can actually fuel it wherever you are. So if you've got a remote house with solar, you can fuel your EV and drive it around the farm as much as you like uh, and never be worried about running out of fuel. You don't have to, you know, truck diesel into your into your house all the time. So, you know, the transition will happen for those yeah. guys. But and we need we need some a bit a few different vehicles. We're, we're missing we're missing the Utes and the four wheel drives that people out there drive, or out here drive. They yeah. don't they don't exist on the market yet. Yeah, I think BYD is bringing uh -huh. out a Ute soon, aren't they? Yes. So BYD um, and LDV 
Well, LDV had the ET60, right, which yeah. was not really a compelling good. It was a bit of a toe in the water just to see whether people would, um, um, you know, do anything along those lines. But um, it's now um, they're bringing out a bespoke proper FinCab U set up. Um, so hopefully by next year, I'm hoping to do this trip again with Riz at some point. Um, driving these new generation of EVUs and maybe like a Kia EV9 or something as a, as a, you know, something a little more rough and tumble than a, um, than say Tesla Model 3 performance. Did you do much research before you started your trip or was it just being? Given... Well, I mean, I guess I, I mean, uh, some of it would have been the trip that I did last year to Uluru, which was an 8,000k round trip. That was, I knew was, was going to be to get to Port Augusta from Melbourne, which is about 1,100k's, and going by the Hornsdale Power Reserve, well, you know, that, that giant battery that headlines in Australia. Um, that was a, that's a one day trip, as far as I'm concerned. But then from there up to Uluru is like, you know, it's another uh, 2,000 kilometres or something like that. And that's all off-grid stuff, um, you know, road bus and stuff like that. So before I did that trip, I actually was actually struggling to find a three-phase power socket in Melbourne that I could access, to be honest. I wanted to test all my equipment. I'd never had a chance to test it except on single phase. And so eventually uh, my daughter was working at a consulting firm, and they happened to have one in the, in the car park. So I went in, tested it, verified that it worked. You obviously you want to make sure all your stuff works. Um, and the other thing is, yeah, researching where these where, where where the charges are and what they're like. And while it's a terrible platform, PlugShare is 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 in Australia the, the one that everybody uses. Um, so you know, there's a lot of looking at the route, looking at what power is available. You know, ranging from 10 amp sockets up to up to actual DC charges. Reading the actual comments about them. Oh, that's not really there anymore. Or the person who runs this place hates EVs and 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 will like spit on you if you come and talk to them or, or whatever. Or and as 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 I found out in in some place in WA, EV drivers, some of them, particularly some of the early Tesla drivers, are really badly behaved, and they've actually alienated some of these remote areas um, because they were coming in, they were you know sort of charging without telling anybody, or they were you know, not actually paying their way properly, you know, for access to these resources. Because I mean, I see it as a as a remote area EV driver. I see it as my kind of duty to try and make the business case for these places to maintain all of the gear that they have as strong as possible. Um, you know, I want them to go. You know what? We're making money out of this at you know whatever we're whatever we're charging for. Uh, for, for, for electricity, we can we can take a clip on it. It's 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 it's, it's more expensive. It's earning us more than we're paying. So let's make more of this. Um, and that's actually something that's happened with the um, Billabong Homestead in 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 Western Australia, 650 k's north of, of Perth. They have been they got a Tesla destination charger many many years ago, and they had a three phase socket there as well. And you know the local Tesla people have been going back and forth there for years. And now they're working with Horizon Power to get a 
giant remote area solar power system with batteries and a 150 kilowatt twin twin plug chem power unit out in the, in the front yard, which they will own in five years, like some sort of rent 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 to own program, all because EV Novas were nice to them, mm-hmm. and you know provided a you know, and they they don't charge for them their their charging either. They literally unless you're if you're not staying there, they do charge you ten bucks. But otherwise, it's free if you're actually staying there, because what they realise and what a lot of these places are realising, you're stuck there for a couple of hours. You're going to go, you're going to have a big meal, you're going to go to you know, get buy a bunch of drinks, you're going to do all these sorts of things, or you're going to stay overnight. You know, people like who are EV travellers, they will stay at the places that allow them to charge. So you know, it becomes a, a business proposition for them, and that's what what's in the best interest of the. The EV drivers of, of Australia or any country really to make sure that the people who are hosting EV chargers have a viable business out of it because that means it will continue to work and be happy forever. That's a good point. Maybe we'll just do a mm. quick little tourism side thing. Any sort of uh, any special place that's uh, a great tourist attraction? One thing that I, I really, really loved was Ningaloo Reef. So the Great Barrier Reef in Australia gets a, a lot of press, right? That's on the on the Queensland coast. Two thousand yeah. k's of, of of coral reefs. The problem is that Queensland is incredibly heavily populated, and it is you know a lot of agriculture and a lot of rainfall and various things. And so the reef is not in fantastic shape. There's a lot of agricultural runoff that pretty much destroys how the reef works. Ningaloo Reef is about a thousand k's long, and it's just off the West Australian coast near this town Exmouth. I was telling you before, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. The the quality of the coral, the levels of like pop, fish populations are just absolutely beautiful. So yeah, snorkeling around England Reef and also the aquarium that the the local local place local council there runs is just spectacular. So I'll say yeah, Ningaloo Reef. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And you got any? Once you finish this trip, um, you got any other plans to keep doing long trips? Or is there's always depends on how you define a long trip. You know, I, I different to I, me. I, I don't, I, anything. Sorry, what, what do you call a long trip? Anything over half an hour? <laughs> how many? Yeah, say? I mean, I've, I've got a lot. Of, I've got a got a got a lot of like EVs I need to retest. Um, but that's that's that they'll that, that, be like you know day trips. Um, any long trips? I don't know. I'll probably drive up to like Sydney or Queensland just for for the hell of it. Um, I may have to come back to Adelaide because I'm cutting my trip short a little bit here. But you know, anything. I mean, kind of anything less than a thousand k's is a is 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 a is a very short trip. It has to be longer than a thousand k's before you even think about it as a middle length trip. It's not surprising. We're not completely normal. Let's just say. Yeah. <laughs> we like to ride. So when you get back, when you finally finish, how how long will that have taken and how many Ks would you have done? So, like I said, I'm about 16,630 now. And I think I looked at it this morning. I was about, I'm about 1,800 kilometers from here to home. So it works out to be, I guess, just over 18,000 kilometers all up. Um, and... Yeah, those last 1,800 Ks are going to take me the next two days. So I'll be home at the end of Sunday. Oh, yeah. So how long was it? What's the, what's the total trip time then you would have? Uh, yeah, so uh, 
58 days, maybe? 58 days. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm taking my time. There's a gentleman by the name of Harold Murphy who is pretty big on sort of Twitter in the sort of long-distance driving space. He's done three laps of Australia in various Teslas so far because he's a mad lad. Um, and he's actually, in fact, he may have already left, he's trying for a 12-day lap of Australia. Heck. Yeah, it won't be the 18,000-kilometre lap. Cause, you know, I had a lot of side trips and stuff like that. But I think it still works out to be close to 15 or 16, I think 16,000 Ks in 12 days. And there's, you know, that's including all these, like, off-grid places. So, yeah, mm. he is um, a very special kind of, like, insane. Yeah. But he's a great dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a massive EV advocate. So it's amazing. Another Western Australian. They're yeah. crazy over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe just sort of summing up into the future. If you do this, say, in five years, say, this is a trip in five years, what, where do you, what, how do you think the, the network will be? And maybe what car do you think you'll be in? So the network, I think, I think the entire WA EV network will be completed by the end of this year. Um, Queensland is already, they're, they're overbuilding and extending their network out some more. So, that will be very nice. New, New South Wales is already fine. Victoria is fine. South Australia has been lagging, but they're actually finally um, uh, getting getting some action. In fact, there's a charger that is opening today that I'll be using tomorrow that will vastly simplify my trip from Sedona to Port Augusta at a place called Woodena. Um, Northern Territory is the main one, which I'm a little bit worried about. Um, they, their government is they're, – they're, their government is kind of, well, they, they claim to be broke. Um, but the NRMA, who is the New South Wales um, kind of based road users association, mm. road drivers like association. Yeah, like our AA. Yeah, like your AA. We have, we have one in every state. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the NRMA is, is, has got a big contract with the federal government to build stations every 150 kilometers across the entire country on all the major the major routes and they have actually started in the northern territory with an off-grid place at a place called earl dunder which is the first when you're heading north out of south australia it's the first like roadhouse you hit um and they recently deployed a like a basically a like a, a two-stall 150 kilowatt solar battery with a backup generator Portable almost, but really easy to really easy to fire up quickly. Um, generator that will be able to handle like you know, ten cars a day or something like that, which is roughly how many it probably it's getting at this point, and it can be then extended. So my hope is that NRMA focuses on the Northern Territory first, because all the other all the other states have kind of got their act together, um, but NT not so much. But yeah, I think in five years it'll be it'll be like driving around the United States. Uh, I'm not sure if we've ever done that before, but we we drove like on one day in our Model Y, we drove from Orlando to Texas, listened to about 1,900 kilometres, and you know we were driving at sort of 85 miles an hour, so you use a lot of power, and you know you look at the route that it's laid out for you, and then it re, re reroutes because the the you know you've been using too much power. And you suddenly realise that there were three other charges, three other superchargers between you and that next one. Um, that's how it is in the US, right? They got they got superchargers 
so many of them, like thousands of, of the things. So, um, yeah, we won't quite get to that stage. You know, we won't have 48 stall superchargers or 100 stall superchargers. But I think that within five years, that lap will be able to be done 100% on DC charging. And that means that, you know, if you really, really wanted to, you could do it in a week. But you'd be very tired. You're very tired. Very tired. <laughs> the record in an internal combustion engine car is five and a half days. So, you know, that was with four people driving continuously. I think they stopped uh, to fuel and that's it. They only stopped to, to refuel. Yeah. So, you know, we were a little bit far away from that, but we're, we're getting close. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any sort of last sort of travel thoughts you want to share? Maybe about long distance traveling in an EV or a Tesla? It's relaxing. Autopilot, while it does have its, its faults, makes driving on these long distance roads very, very easy. Um, you know, you spend like 95% of your time or more on, on, on autopilot. And, you know, it just makes the drive more relaxing. Oh, and yep. the other thing is um, put one of these in your car. What's that's that? a um, that's a Starlink terminal. Oh yeah, like, I was going to ask you about how. Yeah. How they... Well, this is vacuum mounted to the ceiling. That's what we're talking over at this point right now. Um, you know, there is no mobile network across most of Australia of any kind, um, and yet with Wi-Fi calling and things like that, and my Starlink dish, I've had two hundred, three hundred megabits a second um, across most of um, across most of this trip. The only exceptions being, ironically, southwest, far southwest of WA and the far southeast of Victoria, because the trees there are really big and the crowns join up above it. And you have like a narrow strip of sky above you and the, the, the satellites are not very, very reachable. So it becomes a little bit, you know, a little bit poor. But communications, like from a Starlink dish, make massive, it's so much more relaxed. Um, and if you are forced to charge for three hours, well, you can watch YouTube videos or, you know, the, um, you know, the Adrian's EV Quest podcast, for yes. example, you know. Like, subscribe, as, share. As yeah, yeah, like, subscribe, share. Yes, which is on TuneIn in your Tesla. Yes. You know, you hit TuneIn and there it is. So do it. Fantastic. That's a good spot to finish on. Um, thanks, Richard, and safe travels for the rest of your long trip thank you very much thank, thank you, you.